so, so, uh, this crazy, this, this crazy bitch who often starts recording when I don't know. Um, uh, I'm asking today is, is the, the fan okay? Because I know it makes me sound like I live in a cave, which might be appropriate. And, and, uh, she says, I make clothes for living in the cave. I said, no, that's cave culture. And we worked our way down to Cooter. And then burst into hysterical laughing, and I thought that uh, it was probably the best way to start um, today's phone and fashion friend. Fuck up. Um, why aren't we recording? <laughs> why? Well, of all the times not to kamikaze record me, um, this is it. So I'm like, hit the record button while we're still laughing. So uh, <laughs> our last few recordings have been a little serious, dealing with, mm-hmm. well, dealing with what we came here to deal with. And... Um, Today, I think we're going to try to change um, <laughs> change course and talk about something far less um, important or, well, more more important or far less important, depending on whose chair you're sitting in. Um, I um, just sent a letter to my uh, Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib and to Governor Gretchen Whitmer. And I'm going to write um, my city council, my state council, my mayor, and uh, both of my senators today um, uh, to ask them for some assistance. You know, I've had one unemployment check since um, since January when I became unemployed from the university. And uh, Michigan's got all sorts of internal issues with unemployment. And I have sadly been caught up in that. But, you know, um, there's a significant amount of money that would be handy uh, to keep me from being impoverished and having to get online and beg friends to please uh, spare some change. I'm just thankful that all those years as I walked by those beautiful little crusty gutter punk kids, I always threw them some change when I had it. And to this day, I will still give, if I actually have currency or change in my pocket, I will still hand it out as a sort of a payback to society. Um, so I'm thankful that maybe I have a, a built up a decent amount of um, universal credit for the kindness that's being shown to me. But I would like to get back on my feet, please. So uh, today's the day I got pissed off enough to start sending my fucking letters that I've been writing. And yeah. with the brain, the brain shit, it takes me forever to write a, a letter. I mean, I, I, I can literally stare at a page for a week or 10 weeks. And uh, I have finished the letters that I needed to finish. I'm even going to go into the UI site today and deal with them one last time um, and ask for all the appropriate hearings. And um, I'm going to now just send them the same letter over and over, explaining the same thing that I've been explaining since fucking January. And I'm just going to send them that one letter over and over. I'm not going to stress about trying to find a new way to explain it, and hopefully they'll catch up. So um, the thing I want to talk about is what do we do as independent fashion houses or just independent designers or independent apparel makers, cut and sew businesses, what have you, when um, when we hit financial hardships, when um, there doesn't seem to be a pot to pee in? Do you know where that, that saying comes from, actually? You, you might. I don't, um, but it probably has to do with, like, um, affixing colors to fabric or so, leather so, or something. So it's, it's almost fashion history. Um, during the, the Dust Bowl in the Great Depression, um, one of the ways that families would make money was selling their piss, um, a pot of piss, to people who worked in leather and leather tanning. 
and it was a fixative. And if you were so poor that you didn't even have a pot to piss in, boy, were you poor. So that's a that's an interesting little side note uh, in, in historic fashion, uh, because what were they making out of leather um, bags and purses and things? Um, things that last a long time. Things that last a long time. And, and, and actually, uh, many parts of the world still use human urine and cow urine um, to as a fixative. Sometimes we get things in from India, leather goods in from India, and people always say, oh, that's got a, an odd smell. Well, what you're smelling is cow piss. Um, but that leather is not going to fall apart because of it. Uric acid is a great fixative. We actually use, we actually use it in um, fixing dyes. Uh, generally, we don't pee in our dye, although God knows I have in the past when I was out of uric acid. I'm like, well, let me just pee in this dye bath for my own stuff. I'm not peeing in your in a dye bath for your gums. That's like when I'm re-blacking my t-shirts if I'm out of uric acid or soda ash. I'll just pee me up a big old cup of uh, piss and throw it in the dye wash and it helps to set the dye. Amazing. It's interesting the that you started talking dye. about um, the dust bowl and <clears throat> that today of all days because some of my favorite conversations with my father-in-law have been when he was in the Dust Bowl traveling by covered wagon and having to stop and, you know, kind of play in the puddles as a little kid and talking about that whole experience of being very, very poor um, and very migratory. Um, and it, as a person who is fascinated with that whole experience that when people are telling stories, I'd like to be immersive in it. It's surprising to me that I've never talked to him about, does he have any recollection of what people were wearing? What they, what, or what they weren't wearing. Or and did he, weren't. Did, did he have a pot to piss in? I mean, that's, yeah. uh, because we, we may find that they actually, that your, your uh, father-in-law and his family actually did, did sell um, urine to leather crafters. That was a common so common that we we still say you don't have a pot to piss in. So um, I and they were I, farmers too. So you know ooh. it was they're very rural. <laughs> what times? Yeah. You know my my, my grandmother um, and my great aunt um, and, and uh, well all the grandparents because I'm old enough uh, all lived through that um, that trying 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 time, and uh, they all have amazing stories. Uh, one of my favorites from my great grandmother um, was was uh, the actual history of why they called a flapper a flapper, and I always assumed it had something to do with the cool fringed uh, jitterbug dresses or maybe the 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 bobs that they wore that flapped. And she said, "Oh no, not at all." She said, "You have to realize that until the twenties, a woman's ankle was as um, protected as her uh, decolletage." And seeing a woman's ankle was considered as sensuous as seeing her cleavage. And so flappers began unlacing their ankle boots and showing their ankles, letting the tongues and the laces flap. And that mm. is the true meaning of the word flapper. And she was a flapper. She was a, a, a ballroom dancer. She went uh, overseas during World War One, and um, was a, a Nightingale nurse. And during World War Two, she was a riveter. She raised uh, two girls on her own. She did have a succession of seven different husbands, all of whom died mysteriously, leaving her property or money. Not saying that she was a black widow, but I think my, my great-grandmother had a plan. 
that did not involve a man. So, um, I, and that's what she did to get by. So I, I, I guess um, as an independent designer, to an independent designer, what have been your techniques of getting by when you found that you did not have a pot to piss in? Um, for me, it's, it's, it's going to be asking for help, but it's also gig working and writing some articles and watching dogs. But all of those are, are, are again, gigs that don't involve any kind of um, money that can be um, budgeted from, because I don't know how much from month to month I will actually make being a gig worker. And I think that COVID has sort of created a whole new type of dust bowl, a viral bowl. And I think that we're starting to see people migrating again and trying to go to where it's cheaper to live and uh, where if they end up homeless or not in the winter or in the abject heat. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that places like Seattle and San Francisco and Portland are going to see a bigger inrush of people needing welfare services because they are kinder and less um, stingy about helping people to stay alive. So what what are your techniques um, when you wake up and your bank has sent you the the Dear John, fuck you letter. You have basically no money left. Good luck. Uh, and bitch, we're going to sue you if you don't uh, cover that last auto payment. What do you do? Uh, well, first is gutting because I guess maybe my gut PTSD reaction to any of that was a <clears throat> lot of what my interactions my parents had um, growing up about financial talks, which were not a healthy role model. And so talking about finances has always been a like, oh, bye. Um, so kind of um, that and then my first husband being in a crap load of financial problems for me, a lot of my first reactions to anything financial, even if it's like, oh, shit, I just didn't move money from savings if I'm having a, you know, a first world worry like that. Right. So um, even that is enough to bring enough stress on me. Um, but now where um, we're not, you know, the, uh, the TikTok song of, you know, it's it isn't over just cause you're over it. You know, it's like, it's like that COVID's not over just because everybody's over it. Um, but my resources as an independent designer are not what they were pre COVID. And, um, I am once again, facing that. Absolutely. And it's my enlightened reaction is okay. What are the steps that I need to do to take care of this and follow those prescriptive steps to be able to bail my ass out again? <laughs> and um, again, or, and that, that's know, the, that's uh, the again. hard part. Like, like I think the part that no one ever addresses when dealing with social issues and poverty is the abject shame um, that we feel when, when, Suddenly we feel like, oh, here I am, an, an errant, stupid 19-year-old fuck-up again that can't even pay my own electric bill. And it feels like somehow um, somehow we've done something wrong or we didn't work hard enough. All of those narratives that, that the American shit show tries to shove down our throats and, 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 and neither of our cases have we not worked hard enough. We've been 
<laughs> we've destroyed our health at times working. So I, I hear you. Like, what do I do this time? What do I do to, to get myself out of this situation again? And what is your go-to? Do you have a go-to? I do. Um, I used to have a go-to. I don't anymore. I, I'm too old for that. No one well, wants an um, No one wants an old um, I think that once I was able to figure out a hobby because really figuring out something that was not sewing related at all, textile related at all, was where I was going to be able to put some energy and find some satisfaction because it was self-based as opposed to external based. And I think you kind of touched on that too. Like some of um, the baggage that we carry as designers when um, the iteration that we're going through at that moment fails is that somehow our work itself, what we're making isn't good enough too. And I think putting so much blame or putting so much pressure on that is, is the biggest mistake because I can go back and look at things that I created four or five years ago, <clears throat> you know, pretty close to the beginning of COVID um, and think that has legs. I mean, that it's ahead of its time. Thank God <laughs> it's ahead of its time, but it's, um, but it's also kind of scary because um, the resources um, are not the same that they were pre-COVID. And I think a lot of designers, artists are dealing with very similar prospects. And um, so my hobby is the plant thing and my garden's popping. Um, <laughs> but I, I, have to, I have to go stick my hands in the dirt when the sh shit in fashion world gets too thick, too deep because, because she'll take it. It, uh, and it sounds really vampiric um, and not very good witchy, um, but it sure is healing. Well, that's just called grounding, and that's that is <laughs> definitely very witchy. You know, you know, and, and you know what what is so perplexing to me this time uh, around this this time around is that um, I don't have any of those creative urges to turn to. I'm I am. It's a lesson I teach young people. Like sometimes it's counterintuitive to take on a 20 or 40 hour a week gig, uh, waiting tables or something so that you can pay for your basic necessities. Cause you tell yourself, well, I'm, I'm, uh, my job is stealing 40 hours from my week. But when you become impoverished, 24 hours a day becomes the search for money and finances. And it takes up all of the time. So it, it makes more sense to have a gig. Um, I mean, if I were young enough, I would certainly, the, the restaurants are desperate for um, servers, but uh, my body is too broken for that type of job right now. And so all of the go-tos uh, to alleviate stress have been um, difficult. You know, I, I, I was working part-time at a, at a, a friend's comic shop and um, the flu brought me down, which lowered my immune system and the struggle for the flu that doing something as simple as stepping in rainwater ended up putting me in the hospital. And then you add the long COVID to that. And, and, and you know, the last two months have been just this struggle to um, to get out of the bed. So um, and I am working, you know, I, I got a wonderful opportunity to write an article and it's going to be a brilliant article. 
but I, I only have a few hours a day in which my brain works well enough to compile and create the, to take the information and turn it into a written document. Um, I have some things on my table, uh, simple, you know, uh, alterations and things that have been sitting there. Uh, I was making headway on all of that and then the hospital and um, the problem with the hospital is it's not just the week in the hospital, it's the week leading up where everything slows down. It's the week in the hospital. And then the week after the hospital is the recovering from the hospital and getting enough um, energy back to complete the work. So today, uh, even though I don't feel like I'm ready for it, I'm going to drive myself to the table to stand on my feet uh, with an infected leg that still hurts. And I'm going to work because I'm not comfortable um, having other people uh, donate funds to me. It's just, it makes me feel, and, and, and you know, um, I've had two different, three different landlords see that I have had fundraisers in the past to help with medical bills or uh, a legal emergency. And that is somehow now something that is being used against me to keep me from having an apartment because I, because I had the good sense to ask for help when I needed it. Um, so even the, the, um, the, the, prevailing culture is shaming people for needing help, um, yeah. glamorizing uh, pain and suffering. And, oh, you're not losing under that weight as your your head is crushed under the stone. You look beautiful doing it. I, no, stop normalizing pain and suffering. We, we uh, wow, I, I said we were going to talk about something light today, but I, I you know, I, I think it's important because, you know, you and I both know, Megan, I have had years where I've made more money than I knew what to do with, so so I just uh, spent it away frivolously sometimes or supported other people. And then some years have been so lean that I think I'm going to live in a cardboard box. And um, that is the cycle of being an independent, unfunded designer. And, and not to say that we're the only ones that deal with this, because major fashion houses collapse. Fashion houses that are funded, um, you know, it tends and hundreds of millions of dollars can collapse. So it's not something that, that we are particularly prone to, but it is certainly something that we are more vulnerable to than a large house with, uh, with investors um, um, giving it lifelines of cash. So I think it's important that you and I, uh, who have decided that nothing was sacred on our podcast, uh, fess up and uh, admit that this happens and admit that it makes us feel ashamed. Um, and, and then the uh, the flip side is to, to, to help people know that there are ways out of it. And I know that you're working to get out of your, your financial, and we're not going to talk about that because it's not something that is, um, is, is ready to be consumed yet. But, um, well, and, and what I am willing to talk about is that um, when I did close my other business down, So Sister, that there was an enormous debt that was SBA related, Small Business Association. And um, that, because of the way that my entity was set up um, organizationally in Texas, that is why that part was not dismissed during bankruptcy for me. And so I'm still paying on it and I'll pay on it until my kids um, almost graduate high school. Um, and if I don't take on additional projects in addition to my own, then that's my reality as opposed to being able to move forward faster or bootstrap things um, 
because um, the LLC is not the safety net people think it is, and the SBA loan is not the safety net people think it is, and um, and that I'm willing to talk about because those are yeah. those are my still current financial realities. I I I I I, I know um, a, a decent amount about what happened with you and the SBA, and and honestly, I look at that as a predatory practice. I feel like you were given a bait and switch, and you were taken advantage of, and it was very predatory. Uh, this is something that 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 uh, the city of Detroit has offered me, and I'm like, who in their right fucking mind would take a loan of any kind in the middle of a pandemic when we have no idea when it's going to end and risk losing everything and being in debt for the rest of their life? I would rather put it in storage and give blowjobs to afford the storage than lose it for a loan. Uh, and, and, and that response is very much because I watched what happened to you. I don't need a loan. My favorite G is grant, either the bill or uh, the goddamn funding. Give us a grant. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're one of the yeah. only countries that doesn't regularly support its artists and its art infrastructure. And, and we give mouth service to wanting to rebuild an apparel culture here. But I don't see I don't see the cashola. I don't see the I don't see the actual paycheck. I don't see the grant money. I don't see. And when it's given, it's given to people who clearly don't need it. Uh, you know, uh, they'll give you the grant for the best financial plan. So, of course, the guys that have their degrees in finances that want to take advantage of apparel get the goddamn grant, uh, which they don't know what the fuck to do with. So they spend it on ridiculous things that that then sit and collect dusts, um, such as the organization that I uh, talked about many months ago. All of the equipment, none of the know-how. And that was grant money. They were given lots of things and did not know how to use them. How about giving some of the folks that know what the fuck to do a little bit of a scratch? Yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, I know. Well, and I know so many different designers really depleted a lot of resources of their own during the mask scare <laughs> at the beginning of... <laughs> um covid and because those supply chains are still not awesome um have not been able to recoup um or because the price of those resources have skyrocketed are no longer able to buy at the wholesale scale that they were pre-covid um for their particular thing and so you know it's different it's a different world i know i saw you posted um a couple days ago about like you know it's a it's a different day it's a brand new day things it's different things have changed and if you're not willing to go along with the change and be malleable then like what the fuck are you doing right uh, you but know it's, right. it's interesting that we're talking about this today because shout out rachel rachel um, elspeth gross shout out rachel she posted about um, Madame Gress. Gris. Um, okay. Thank you. She. Um, oh, no. <laughs> Holler at me. Just tell me when I'm wrong. Holler at your boy. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm actually reading from her um, Instagram right now, but uh, it was talking about in the early 80s that she sold her um, label house and name and the deal was not good for her, apparently. And then um, possibly Saint Laurent, uh, Pierre Cardin and 
Giovinci, yes, oh. um, pitched in to have a, buy an apartment buy for her, three. help her with an apartment because she died destitute, and she was one of she was one of the most okay, so her influential is... back end names that people don't know. And died with nothing. Not nothing. And, and uh, so we're going to go back to the pronunciation. My Texas sister. Thank you. Um, I Bye. grew up. In, <laughs> thank you. I, I grew up in in a former French um, colony across from a, a bilingual country, Canada. Uh, it is Madame Gris, just Gris. And you got to give a little R Gris. And if you want to say it in Southern, you can say Madame Gris. <laughs> and that would Man be okay. Gray. No, she was she she is credited with the bias cut gown. She is credited with developing um, one of the first people to actually. Even the Grecians and the Egyptians did not use fabric on the bias; they draped it. Um, they draped it on on the grain. So she yeah, was so she finally was, woven. She is she is one of the first couturiers that was a female. She was very uh, influential on the careers of people like uh, Coco Chanel and, um, God, so many Scarpelli. That whole generation of designers, Valentino, uh, her her work was just impressive. And she died in poverty, poverty, abject poverty. And And retrospectively, you and I can look at this and go, this is fucking terrible, when the reality is that this is happening to so many really talented people and so it's not just the event pimps um it's not just uh the people that are you know the other people's projects the opp there's so many different or health issues there's so many different things that can change the trajectory of designers um and and change their focus um pretty quickly um but i'm ex i'm actually really excited where the focus is headed um you know this is our our season two um phone of fashion friend two so like you know there's some serendipity and today is like the 22nd of 2022 it's just there's good things benson <laughs> no no I, I no i i i talk about that often i said it's 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 a really strange uh, vantage point that I have because I see some amazing, amazing good things coming into my life and new opportunities that we've created because of these um, downturns in our fortunes. But at the same time, that is running neck and neck with, do I have a home? Um, am I going to live in a hotel room? Will I be able to work? Um, and so I, I, and I do know that even if the worst tragedies fall, and I lose everything. Um, when I was so sick in Texas and sold everything, uh, and, and literally didn't, I had one uh, single needle uh, work machine, uh, Husqvarna 2020 left. Um, I even sold the serger so that I couldn't trick myself into selling clothes. Um, when I was starting to recover enough, I, this, this crazy Texan, uh, offered me a whole storage unit full of industrial machines. And so I went from having uh, sold my few industrial machines to having more industrial machines than I could stuff up my own ass. And um, 
I know that that cycle can repeat. Uh, I just don't want it to have to. Accept and receive is the woo-woo card that woo-woo mama just pulled. And, and, I, uh, and so I know that even if I lose everything, when the, when the good comes in, it will wash it away and replenish it and renew it. Just like a hurricane does damage, it also washes in uh, new silt that, that creates a more fecund um, a ground um, in which things can grow. So uh, I'm just a bit tired of it. Uh, fall in love with your what? What? Fall in love with your own story, girl. Do I look like a pink Sweeney? I am not falling in love with my own story, <laughs> but I do love and appreciate my own story. How is that? Oh, you're you're muted. Just go ahead and stay muted and and and, and, oh, and shit and mouth words <laughs> at me, woman. No, I don't want to. Uh, remember, that's what the small bees for. I I I don't want to fall in love with my own story. <laughs> um. Well, and I think that more of it is a accept accept that this is the story at this point in time, and that you have a plan. Um. And I think that that's why the accept and receive, like, it's time. It's it's time to accept and then receive the thing back. Like, I think that that's why those cards came together. But it's weird. I mean, like, it's really weird times. Um, and it's really a, a magical period because I don't know about you, but I've met some people <laughs> these past three months that... I probably wouldn't have stepped out of this basement sewing room <laughs> to have talked to. And and it's changed my life for the better. And um, I always know that there's a bottom that's deeper than the bottom that we're feeling right now. And so I'm very mindful about not looking into that hole, you know, like that swimming okay. hole in Texas. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> we swore we weren't going to talk about the pink swinger today, so we don't need to talk about bottomless bottoms. <laughs> oh, I just got catty. Yeah. No, the hole, uh, 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 what is it called? Um, uh, Jacob's well. Yeah. The bottomless mm -hmm. hole that, that swallows people occasionally. Yes. And so like, it's fun to stand on the edge and I feel like something great is ha going to happen as we walk away. And, but if we continue to look into the hole, it swallows you. Um, and the funny part is I've never been to there that particular place in Texas lived there 40 years of my life. Never fucking went there. <laughs> yeah, I, Right. Well, you know, when you, when you dealt with one big empty bottomless hole, you dealt with them all. <laughs> God, God knows. Uh, you and I are, are veterans of dealing with big, old, gaping holes that want to swallow all that is good. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, honey, honey, we can plug a hole the size of Kansas. Don't worry about it. It's true. Well, what is one of the biggest things that you turn to when you're in that down spot? That spot uh, where you're like, fuck again? Do you, do, okay, well, I... Fuck again? Fuck. <laughs> uh, um, I, I have to decide how honest I want to be. Okay, I'm, I, I'm a hustler. I'm a hustler, baby. It's what I am. It's not where I'm going. It's where I've been. Um, I used to turn to my good looks and sexual prowess and 
I would flip tricks until I had enough cash to buy myself out of a situation. That was me in my mm-hmm. 20s and part of my 30s. Uh, you know, then I, I, I built enough business that I had a bank account and I didn't often have to think about um, these types of situations. And then I had a lung injury that precipitated me going on an art journey. And then Mark and I built an empire. And for years, we would sometimes have cash shortages. But those cash shortages, we could very clearly look at the ledger book. Those cash shortages were happening because we invested in stock for uh, people who had ordered it. And the minute they picked up, our, our finances increased by twenty and $30,000 uh, a day. Right. So um, I thankfully, other than a couple of medical emergencies, have not really had to deal with this again type of thing. And even those medical emergencies um, and asking my my um, my peers for help in those times that well and, and not even being the one that asked I just didn't stop them from asking on my behalf I used to not let that happen uh, for years people would want to do a fundraiser I'm like fuck no not me I don't need no one's help I'm the motherfucker that raises the funds um, so I haven't found myself in this type of predicament since. The, the late, the, the middle 1990s. Mm-hmm. Um, not really. And I don't have the hips, although I still have the lips to turn a trick. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, honestly, this is, this is the God's honest truth. And if y'all ever wondered just how, how um, sacred and profane we would be here, I have actually thought about taking the rest of my broken teeth out so I could advertise giving gummies because apparently that's a new fetish. And I'm like, I could make some money giving gummy jobs. Um, mm-hmm. and, I like, and I like sucking a dick and I'm good at it. So, uh, I, you know, <laughs> but like that just doesn't seem to be the thing that, uh, that a, a person who is at the top of their game <laughs> should be doing. I mean, for anything but fun. Um, right. So I, you know, I don't know. Uh, pride goeth before foolishness. I still, I still have pride issues. I've sat on some letters that I needed to send asking for help, and it is my pride that has always prevented me from hitting the submit button. I got the fuck over that twice this morning, and hopefully, I'm going to get over it a few more times today. Um, I, I have learned, even though I just learned the lesson not to ask uh, and expect help from my community. I have also learned that it is okay to ask for and expect help from my community. Um, So folks have been kind in donating some money, which is definitely going to allow me to be able to um, keep food in the house and feed the dogs and um, take a bus, (laughs) you know, know, not living lavishly, folks. Um, Jeffrey West has been having the most amazing shoe sale now for two months as they change their business model. And you know what a shoe whore I am. And I keep looking at these $800 shoes on sale for $249. And it is the most painful thing to have to just click the X and get out of that window before I decide that I could use shoes way more than I could use more groceries. Yeah, you need groceries. <sighs> but, you know, I, I, do, I know I'm, 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 I'm eating uh, ramen for at least one or two meals a day again because ramen is cheap. I have my frozen burritos at 50 cents a piece, and I can eat two of those for a meal. Uh, I am not eating mm-hmm. lavishly. So, you know, part of it is knowing how to survive. Part of it is yep. knowing that you don't have to have filet mignon every day. 
uh, and that you can't afford to get the, the, the Grubhub or the Uber Eats or the DoorDash every day when things get too tight. Um, for me, I, I feed the dogs before I feed myself because they don't have the um, intellectual capacity to understand, sorry, you can't eat today, we're broke. I can certainly understand that. And God knows if I lose just another 50 or 60 pounds, maybe my job hooking will come back and then I'll just be a happy hooker <laughs> again. I love, listen, I loved turning tricks. I loved every man I ever had sex with for cash. I loved the honesty of it. I loved that going in, I knew what they needed. They knew what I wanted in return. And it was some of the most honest interactions I've ever had with men. So, um, and I talk about it because, you know, I, I believe that sex work is, is work. And I believe that um, when we, when it's we important have- important work. When we have shame about sex at all and we have a sex negative society, we create the conditions for rape culture. So I, I do talk openly and freely about sex. And if you're one of those folks that gets a little squeamish when I do, please forgive me. But it's it's to me saying I want to go out and give blowjobs for money is the same as me saying I want to go out and see if McDonald's will hire me. It's the same gig. One is just more mm -hmm. enjoyable and I spend less time at a cash register. So... And a lot more healthy for you. They they both involve meat, and one of them is is fun. So I'm just gonna leave it there. Uh, and and uh, one of the things that I, that is a known aspect of all areas is that we are all borderline gross, and we know it. Sorry, not sorry. Oh my gosh! When you <laughs> are an underwear designer and you have a model return underwear to you, and I didn't want to <laughs> say anything on Gabrielle's interview because I was like, oh God, I could talk about how many gross things I have seen in underwear return to me. Oh no. I saw that. She really did. Well, she kept herself from throwing up in her mouth. No, I, 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 uh, we, we've all, we have all seen stuff come back in dresses I have a dress right now that underneath power mesh and uh, hundreds of hours of sewn beading, I'm going to have to excise a piece of the underliner and sew it back in because somebody who was um, pregnant uh, obviously lactated a bit and we, we didn't see that. And so the lactic acid ate stains into it over the last year and a half. Uh, but it's okay yeah. because, you know, uh, it's a skill test for me and I may just take that dress someplace else and what's lovely is I have pictures of it in both configurations, so I can give it to you this way or this way. Not mm -hmm. a problem. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know, Megan. I, 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 uh, I know that things are good uh, and that things can be bad simultaneously. I know that things can be um, rewarding and challenging at the same time. I know that life is one big dichotomy and that we're all just trying to surf a chaos wave. But I will tell you, I really didn't expect that at almost 60, I would be in a place where I had to wake up every day wondering, was today the day that they came and took my stuff and threw it in the street? I never imagined this. Um, I did imagine that I might be single, um, but I never imagined that I would face this again. And here I am. And so uh, being human, the glory of humanity and of being human. I don't believe that everything happens for a reason. I think that's a masochistic ass way of looking at life. But I do believe that we can find reason and purpose in everything that happens. 
And so I am choosing to see lessons in this. And those lessons are about diversification. Uh, should I ever face a global economic collapse again, you can bet your ass. While my eggs were not all in one basket, my baskets were all in the same farm. Thank you for listening today. This has been Season 2. You can listen to all of our episodes at advancedfashiondisruption.com. There's a Patreon button there. We'd love for you to buy us a cup of coffee. But we'd really like you to tune in next week where we continue our new format for Season 2. Tuesday is our phone of fashion friend. Wednesday is our Season 2, Episode 2. Thursday is phone and industry friend. Phone industry fashion friend god that's gotta get better right some maybe we'll work on that and then uh friday is our phone uh, fashion fuck up friday we're a little loosey-goosey we hope you guys had a great week if you have anything to you want to let us know you should go directly to our website and hit that contact us button and tell us to fuck right off and we'll talk about you next week we love you a whole bunch